Let's take out the trash day. Friday. I mean, what is it? Any stories we have to give the press that we're not wild about, we give them all in a lump on Friday. Why do you do it on Friday? Because no one reads paper on Saturday. But we do. I'm Yael Grauer. And I'm Jimmy Jenkins, and this is the Monday Morning Dumpster Dive. This weekend was a textbook Friday night news dump. The Trump administration made public the financial disclosures for 180 White House staffers, but they didn't make them available for release until 6 p.m. But news outlets knew this dump was coming. Derek Kravitz is a research editor at ProPublica. They partnered with the AP, Politico, and the New York Times to handle the massive task of requesting all of the information. Kravitz says the White House made it a really convoluted process. They asked all of the media organizations to go ahead and go to this website that they created, fill out the requester information, and then the individual name of who you're requesting the financial disclosure form and submit that for each person. On top of that, uh, they said on the call there was roughly 180 White House staffers that were either commissioned officer or subject to this financial disclosure because they made $161,000 or more per year. But we didn't know the 180 names. So this was a little bit of a guessing exercise. So we had to go around and uh, cull through all of the White House staff appointments, um, any press release that uh, referenced the name, and then also look through alternative sources um, to create a, a list that we had of 171 names and then go from there. Keep in mind, they weren't doing any of this for the sake of transparency. The White House is legally obligated to release this information. New entrants to government have to fill out these financial disclosure forms, which are then submitted to the Office of Government Ethics. uh, And they have to do so within uh, 30 days of accepting their new position. So it's it's legally required that they fill out the forms and do so accurately. Uh, And if there's any mistakes, they have to go ahead and correct those and essentially file an amended form. Uh, that also goes to the Office of Government Ethics, which then certifies it. So the White House Counsel's Office certifies it, as does OGE. Now, the, the manner in which they release is up to them. They could have very easily proactively disclosed all of this, put it online for everyone to see, instead of playing this transparency bingo-like game where we had to guess who the 180 staffers are, and we might not have everyone at this point, which is why we're asking the public for help. And then you know, they, they also could have made sure that the disclosures, once they were released, were uh, exhaustive. The disclosures give us an insight into the financial backgrounds of some of the main players in the White House. The biggest stories that have come out so far include the sheer enormity and wealth of the Kushners, so Jared Kushner and his wife Ivanka. And so the the total assets that they disclosed, the maximum of that range was $741 million. But the enormity of it and the types of investments from real estate to uh, venture capital and startup uh, tech uh, investing was was not fully known. Uh, We also didn't know how many Uh, real estate assets Jared Kushner was holding on to, uh, more than 100 different real estate assets, uh, mostly in New York. Uh, On top of that, uh, Steve Bannon, who is the White House chief strategist handpicked by President Trump, we didn't know the uh, number of connections uh, financial uh, to the Mercers, uh, the Republican megadonors. We didn't know uh, that he was paid by Breitbart, the glittering steel uh, film entertainment production company and a host of others uh, and that was more than five hundred thousand dollars worth of salary and fees uh, in 2016. Uh, we also just didn't know the sheer amount of money that a lot of these white house staffers uh, actually have in assets and salary 
including Gary Cohn, who was a Goldman Sachs investment banker. Uh, but you know, we didn't know um, the number of stock holdings and outside private investment he had. We didn't know uh, Reed Cordish, uh, who's a Trump family friend, uh, that he was worth up to $440 million and had stakes in Baltimore area casinos. And there is, of course, lots more to come. Kravitz says this is a classic tactic to try and overwhelm the press. Usually with these Friday night news dumps, that's what you do. You release everything and then you let the media sort of sort it out for you and, and not focus on one specific narrative. In this case, it was a fire hose of information and, and the media and the public is still digesting it. But it wasn't enough to deter the press. Kravitz says despite the challenges, this is valuable information that the public needs to know. These federal financial disclosures are are valuable for a number of reasons. The main one is uh, it shows any potential conflicts of interest between the White House staffer and the area uh, in which they work. So if they're like Reed Cordish is covering or overseeing technology initiatives at the White House. So if he has stakes in uh, technology investments, uh, it's good to note what he had and what he may be divested in and what he's recusing himself from so that the public can make sure that if the White House comes out with a policy that shapes you know, national investment in new technology, that his connections to that aren't potential conflicts there. Um, Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, you know, made a fortune in the steel industry, and he now has wide purview through the Commerce Department over our enforcement of steel subsidies overseas uh, and with China. And so that's a very real-world potential conflict. Do you like digging through massive financial disclosure forms? If that sounds like your idea of a good time, good news, you too, dear listener, can lend a hand. The best thing for people to do, and it's what people uh, have done for for decades, but now is made much more accessible through social media and putting these type of disclosures in a publicly accessible format is to simply look at them and find interesting things and flag them uh, either you know on Twitter or Facebook or uh, or some other medium or to you know let news organizations know that something uh, is uh, interesting and worthy of further investigation helping news organizations investigate and uh, sort of participating in this crowdsourcing exercise is a very valuable tool because news organizations aren't necessarily the gatekeepers anymore of information. They have to release sort of the primary documents and the underlying supporting evidence in order for the public to really help and evaluate it and, uh, and figure out what's what. Derek Kravitz is a research editor at ProPublica. I'm Yael Grauer. And I'm Jimmy Jenkins. We'll catch you next time on the Monday Morning Dumpster Dive.